You're listening to the Stronger Stride podcast with your hosts, Lydia Mackay and Sophie Lane. Hello and welcome back to the Stronger Stride podcast. You are here with your wonderful hosts, Sophie and Lydia. Lydia, why are you laughing? <laughs> Did you? Okay, look, I just started because normally we're like, okay, are we ready? Are we all good? But I was like, let's just go for it. We've got no time to waste. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you know, so thanks for the enthusiasm. Um, despite it being a grey and cloudy, rainy day, um, your energy is a contrast to the weather and I love it. Oh, so sweet. Love that. You know what else is a contrast? The guest that we had on today, she is wonderful and we will chat about her soon. She is just lovely and just a, a what's the word? Bee of sunshine? What's a ray of light. Ray of sunshine. Ray of sunshine. Ray of light. A light That's ray. Him. A light ray. She's a light ray. That sounds so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she's great, but we'll get on to her in a second. First, Lydia, update us. What are the injury updates and, yeah, what's been happening? Um, well, it is, I think, day 10 out of the boot. It, it sounds like quite a long time. And mm. I feel like, oh, gosh, I should be, like, you know, running marathons already. Yeah. But I'm not. So basically, this phase, I think it's going to be the most frustrating, which I've sort of been mentally preparing for. uh, Because when I was in the boot, it was very black and white. It was like, I can't run, I can't do much walking, I can't lift weights. Like, it's very clear what I can and can't do. Whereas now Mm -hmm. that I'm out of the boot, it's quite tempting to sort of think, oh, like, I can just try stuff and just see what happens. Like, do a box jump, like do some weighted squats, like go for a jog. But um, I have to remember that it's there's still a lot of healing to do. And also now my foot ha- is recovering from being in the boot. So I'm quite weak on that side. My calf is very small. I should have measured it just to compare. Mm. I mean, I, mean, I pro- probably no one cares, but I think it was probably like almost two centimetres smaller. Mm. Uh, which is is quite a lot like that's a lot of muscle to lose and it really shows like I'm doing some very very gentle quarter range calf raises and I've had sore muscles from like two sets of 10 calf Mm -hmm. raises quarter range so Mm. I'm very weak and I'm quite sore to be completely honest like my foot is taking a while to get used to just walking um I've really just done I think maybe two 30-minute walks in those nine days um, at the start. Like I think I did Sunday and Wednesday and then I've just sort of rested since then because uh, I've ended up a little, not sore over the injury site, but just like a few other things that have been a bit sore. So I'm like, I need to have more rest. Um, I've been on the bike at the gym, I think three times, um, just really, really easy. And like that's sort of just been enough. Um but cardiovascularly, obviously, I feel fine and everything else, I feel strong. I'm really enjoying my swimming. I sound like a broken record, but I am enjoying my swimming. I'll tell you what, though, my lats have been tight lately. Like, I think um, I tend to do like... Oh, <laughs> your lats as in your muscles. I thought you said laps as in like swimming laps. <laughs> my laps have been tight, like as if that's some like swimming terminology. I don't know, like you're getting really fast or something. <laughs> My laps are tight. <laughs> okay, no. you got but, uh, tight muscles. I got it. Yeah, I mean, you yes. don't really understand this, this swimming term, no, so, so I'll keep it simple for yeah, you. Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm a bit tight in my upper body. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. Um, I tend to have, like, 
a proper swim session on a Thursday mm. and then my leisure swim on a Friday and then I'll do like every day is bloody upper body day and calf race day, quarter range calf <laughs> day. And then like, yeah, by the end of all those days in a row, I'm like, like today's a rest day from swimming or just like from everything. And yeah, I'm, I've just noticed that my mm. arms have been quite tight. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and make sure I coordinate my schedule a little bit better so I've got some like easy days in between my hard mm. days in terms of swimming good plan uh, in saying that nothing's too crazy I'm still not kicking I'm still with the pool boy I've like just mm. started doing a few little kicks on like the warm-ups mm. um and like some of the recovery swims but nothing hard so mm. that is all the updates I think um it's all pretty good right Mm, Any questions or comments? Sorry. No, no, I'm good now that we got the <laughs> the words sorted. It's good. I'm very impressed with all your swimming. Um, yeah, it's good. It is good. Yeah. Onwards and upwards. Nothing to complain about. Um, good. Keep it that what way. What about yourself? Tell what about me? Um, yeah, good. I think nothing significant to report. I'm just kind of – I just feel like I'm just sort of plodding along. I think mm-hmm. I was saying to Sue today on our run that I – think I need to sign up for something and I know like we've had this whole chat about just enjoying the training for the training but I feel like I'm just kind of running and just plodding along and jogging and just doing lots of easy runs and I think I'm ready to like start actually doing some sessions I've done a couple of interval sessions but not really with any purpose so I feel like I want to just choose something just to be like okay like this is what I'm working towards whether it's an ultra or a 10k or like I just feel like I'm just running which is fine and I'm enjoying it but I want a little bit more I want something else to just like work towards and actually yeah. focus on a little bit so yeah I'm just training it's fine it's good no issues um I've done I went to Trotters last week which is so nice to see everyone again oh that's um, so lovely yeah so just enjoying it really um but yeah it's all good it's all going well I'm looking forward to catching up with you in person next weekend oh I know me too it's crazy very exciting great. um so yeah I think we should get on to today's guest yeah I think we should um, so we have the beautiful Ellie Cooter on the podcast this week. She is Ellie from Byron to Bondi. That's the Instagram handle. And she's just in the middle of, well, basically just about at the end of mm. running approximately 900 kilometers from Byron Bay all the way down to Bondi along mm. the coastline. So for the last 21 days or when this comes out, what it'll be like 27 days or something like yeah, that. She'll have, sure. Yeah. Three or four days left. Yeah. yeah, so she's basically been running for a month around 35Ks every single day um, across the sand, across the headlines, headlines? <laughs> <laughs> headlands, like along the rocks. <laughs> she's making headlines also. <laughs> um, I was trying to work with in there. And yeah, nice. Well done. Didn't quite work out for me. But, yeah, she's – yes. She's just an absolute machine, really. Mm, amazing. Um, she's raising funds for Surf Life Saving Australia. So Ellie's a part of Bondi Surf Life Saving Club and she's very passionate about water safety and about making the ocean a safe space for people as it is something that probably most people listening, well, I mean, most people in Australia, we do live near the coastline mm. and the ocean is a big part of a lot of people's lives, whether you're, you're a surfer, a swimmer, you like to sit on the sand and read your book, whether you just enjoy looking at the ocean. I think it is really ingrained in our culture. And so Ellie's quite passionate about that. And obviously um, having patrolled beaches allows it to be more accessible to a broader range of people. 
Mm. Yeah, I think we all take it for granted, right? Like oh, it's yeah. just kind of the surf life-saving people. What are they called? Surf lifesavers. <laughs> <laughs> the lifeguards, the lifesavers. They're just there. Like you just see them and you're like, oh, cool, like they're there. But like you never really think, oh, like they're giving up their time to yeah. just sit there and watch us and make sure we don't die. So it's actually, yeah, we should really think about that. and take them. once as well. Oh, yeah. to be saved. Yeah, I've had to be wow, saved. Oh, no way. Yeah, I was. Well, um, I'm glad you survived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually in a surfing competition. <laughs> don't tell you about this. We won't talk about this. No, we don't. I believe time. that it's a bit of a mystery. <laughs> Send us a message if you want to know more. <laughs> um, but yes, Ellie is amazing. She's doing an incredible run. And if anyone is on the Central Coast or in Sydney, Northern Beaches, and towards Bondi, she has still got a couple more days left. So check out her Instagram at Byron to Bondi, and that's with the number two. We'll have it linked below, um, and see if you can join in. So she's really excited to have some more people along for even just a couple of kilometers. If you're not up to the thirty or whatever she's doing that day, just tag along for a few k's, or even just wave her off at the start or meet her at the finish line, something like that. I think, yeah, the more support we can get behind her, the better. So yeah, check it out and um, yeah, get involved, or just um, reach out to her on Instagram. Yeah. Um, share her page, check out the fundraising link. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is we understand that, you know, after coming out of lockdown, you know, the last couple of years, it's probably everyone's been under a lot of financial stress. You don't have to donate money. Something else that Ellie is doing is she's made a pledge for the planet to reduce and or eliminate her single-use plastic. So for this journey, she's not used any anything single-use plastic-wise. Um, so that's something you can get behind as well. Pledge for the Planet we spoke about when we had Pat McNamara on actually quite mm-hmm. a few episodes ago and basically it's this organisation where instead of um, asking people to donate money, you ask people to make a pledge for the planet. So Ellie's pledged against single-use plastic but you can go on there, you can check out her page and then you can make a pledge to do something else that is for an environmental cause or some kind of initiative that something you're willing to do so it's mm. it's so fantastic the idea is to just create more sustainable changes rather than um just i guess uh, reaching into your pocket like it's a more conscious decision mm. yeah definitely so there's options for everyone donate pledge do both um all the links will be below um so through the episode we just chat basically on what she's been up to how the journey's been going we talk about her nutrition strategies her recovery strategies the navigational issues and how she's gone about planning the routes because obviously it's not as simple as just following a straight road there's a lot more to think about she's had river crossings and all sorts of things come up along the way so we just chat through how she's sort of navigated all of that um we also chat um shout out to chapo who organized the nutrition for ellie and helped her out with that we had chapo on the podcast maybe episode four yeah quite a while ago so and, yep and pat is her physio as well who we just mentioned he's involved with pledge for the planet and has also been has been helping ellie with managing her injuries before and yeah during the run as well um and her coach rosie cooper who we kind of know through the runner shop we both worked at different shops so we know her as well so yeah she's got a really nice team behind her so shout out to all of those guys um we also chat a little bit about kind of mental strategies and how she's been coping not just physically but also with the mental side of things obviously it's a huge undertaking that she's gone through so you can imagine that some days might be a little bit harder than others so we just chat a little bit about how she's been managing that she mentions her mantra that she's been saying to herself and singing to herself which is really cool um and yeah we go through a couple of listener questions that have been sent through so thank you to everyone that sent those through um we really enjoyed chatting 
to Ellie about all those different topics. Yeah, we absolutely love chatting to her and just getting to be a part of her experience because it's such an incredible feat. So thanks for coming on, Ellie. We really hope you guys enjoy the episode and feel inspired by her journey. I think probably one of the biggest takeaways is that if you want to do it, just go and do it. Ellie told us how she'd never even run an ultra before. So this is absolutely incredible. It's it's massive to go from never doing an ultra and now running 900 kilometres over a month. It's insane. Incredible. All right. Enjoy the episode, guys. Um, Leave a comment and a review and whatever else you can do. Um, And also shout out to Tailwind for their ongoing support and supplying all of our guests with some great nutrition products. Yeah, that's it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. Before we start, Ellie, how do you pronounce your last name? Um, oh, yeah, I know. It's confusing. So, <laughs> full name is Ellie Kuda. So, Kuda. Like, that's yeah, Spare Kuda. Kuda. I think that we can pronounce that. That's <laughs> I've not, heard so many things. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always laughing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's been some bad that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's been. Yeah, we, we, we don't need to repeat. <laughs> okay. All right. Welcome, Ellie Kuda from Byron to Bondi to the Strongest Ride. How are you going, Ellie? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so lovely of you guys to support the run and to have met you through this. Yeah, so we're so excited to have you and so excited to be play a small part in the journey and join you for a few of the sections. Um, firstly, before we get into things, how are your legs feeling? How's the body? Yeah, actually. So I would say surprisingly, um, so I'm on day 23 today. Uh, mm-hmm. So day 23 of 30, um, have about 700 kilometers in the legs. And yesterday was a big day. So uh, mm-hmm. my hips are probably the things I would complain about the most. Um, and then just, you know, some, feet problems have come up or foot problems have come up, but nothing that's been where I need to stop and, and take a longer rest day than normal. Mm. I'd actually say the body's holding up much better than I was anticipating. Yeah, that's so impressive. And I guess just for context, um, Ellie has been running from Byron Bay and is heading towards Bondi and is very close. So day 23, so that you've done most of the hard work then. I have. It's actually kind of crazy to think about. Um, it's so three weeks ago, I started, well, yeah, three weeks ago, essentially mm. I started up in the Byron Bay Lighthouse. It seems like it seems like a long time ago, but it also goes so quick. Mm. Uh, and especially, it's just you know you're staying in a new campsite every night, a new path every day, and it all kind of just starts to blur together. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's really been quite the adventure so far. We've had all the highs and all the lows, all the weather patterns as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the last week has just been so much rain. I mean, there's been flooding along the coast, and you've just been running through it every single day. It's full. yeah. I um actually just caught up with a girlfriend for coffee this morning in Nelson's Bay, and she was just laughing. She's like, "Do you ever just wake up and look outside the window and say, not today?'" Yeah. And the thing is, is I'm on a tight schedule, right? So I can't, you know, I have to run through it. Um. There's no, oh, let's wait mm. to see if we ride it out. And if you, it, it's going to be like this for the next two weeks. So, mm. um, you know, we can certainly discuss the weather, right? There's, there's pros to the hot days. There's pros to the rain. Mm. Uh, but there's certainly cons that go with it. Um, mm. More so for the crew, to be honest. I mean, it's a lot. It, it's hard to camp and, you know, do all this prep work in the rain. And mm. um, the running, to be honest, in the rain, once you're wet, you're wet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, that's it, how there's pros and cons yeah and I think originally when you had postponed to do it at this time of yeah. year 
I would imagine you were probably anticipating it to just be super hot. It's almost summer here. Like I would have expected, yeah, just to be trying to deal with the heat. So I think, yeah, it's probably a little bit different to what you had prepared for. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, I was meant to do this run in July and Mm -hmm. that was three weeks before our second, you know, before the lockdown happened. And so that obviously got postponed and I kept postponing it, correct? Mm -hmm. We didn't know what was happening. And so it was going to happen in August and in September. Uh, so that we, you know, we made the official start date, um, must be, yeah, November for around November 1st yeah. or so, but, um, early November. But I will say that it's actually a blessing in disguise that it happened later in the year. I was really worried about the heat. Exactly. Like you mm. said, that was my biggest concern going in. Right. I hadn't trained in the heat. Um, hydration was a huge concern. Uh, how would my body take the heat? And the first week was hot, but my body adapted really quickly. Um, mm. And I, I kind of realized that, you know, my pack held enough water. I was able to see my crew enough. Um, but the reason that it was better that it was pushed out to November versus July is it's actually just a more enjoyable experience to be able to finish a run, let's say at around one, and then go to the beach uh, mm. and actually be able to like lay out in the sun or go into yeah. the water. If we were to do this in July, it would have been pretty cold. Mm. Um, so we would have been in the van a lot. Um, so I'm actually really happy that we did it in this time of year. It's actually a really nice time of year to do something mm. like this. Oh, that's great. It's good that it all worked out. And how did you go with training when, you know, you'd prepared for July and then you're probably looking at August or September and then it just kept getting pushed up, pushed back. Did you just yeah. kind of keep building on what you'd already done with your training or did you have to sort of, yeah, I guess just keep pushing until you knew when it was happening? Yeah. So training was really hard to navigate during that time. And I would say that come July, I was definitely in really ready for the run, right? I felt like I was in the best shape. I had, um, you know, done my taper. I was actually ready to taper. Right. Um, and I was feeling really strong physically. My injuries had kind of gone away. And then of course we went into lockdown and I worked with my coach, uh, Rosie, and we were just trying to figure out, okay, how can we postpone this another month and then another month? And in my head, I just had to push it back, right? I couldn't keep doing this, you know, 120K weeks and then taper and then 120K and then taper. So I pushed it back a few times and tried to maintain that mileage really. But then in the end, I just said, you know, actually I had written it off really for the year, to be honest. Mm. I said, you know, this is something that I really probably have to do next April when the heat dies down. Um, and I was actually uh, going to a physio appointment uh, with Pat, who you guys put on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, why don't you just try to do it in November, right? And really, I had written it off and mm-hmm. to, to the next year. And that's really where I said, you know what? I think I can deal with this heat. It's not that hot. Um, and just try to go for it again. And so that's when I sat down with my coach again. And we really, we had a few taper points, let's say, during the mm-hmm. training. Uh, so going into the run. I probably wasn't at my, let's say, strongest or um, like peak physical condition just because the training had gone up and down so much. Mm. Yeah, okay. Well, it's good that yeah, you've managed. I mean, it seems like from your Instagram that you're handling the mileage really well and you're saying your body's feeling good. So it's amazing that, yeah, you were able to obviously maintain some level of fitness across those months and still be in relatively peak condition. It seems like you're, you know, you couldn't have been handling it more. Sorry, you couldn't have been handling it better than you are. Yeah, I would say, you know, I started to originally this whole concept of uh, Byron Tabande came up in early December of last year. And 
that's when I had reached out to a few folks within the running community within Sydney and try to find a running coach, right? Just to figure out what does my training plan look like? I had no idea how to train for an ultra. I've never done an ultra. I, I knew what to do for a marathon, but nothing for this distance. And so that's when, you know, I partnered with Rosie and we had a really clear plan to start in July. And it was basically by blocks, right? So I had about five training blocks, uh, each with its own, let's say mini taper. But one thing I think that really helped me going into that full training schedule from December to really November was I had a pretty strong base from lockdown, the first lockdown um, of 2020, right? When we couldn't do anything, mm. all I was doing was running <laughs> and, um, and doing maybe some, you know strength work that I probably wouldn't have been fitting in with work schedule. So I say all that in the sense that I think I went into this with a lot of K's on the legs and a lot more strength training than I would have had uh, otherwise. And that's definitely things that have helped keep me mostly injury free. Mm. Wow. Um, backtrack just a little bit and um, flesh out exactly what Byron to Bondi is. Yeah. Like, yeah. What your average distance is, what yeah. the journey is. Exactly. Yeah. No worries. So Byron to Bondi, um, was really dreamed up during it's so funny to say like our first or second you know wave of COVID um but it was really <laughs> dreamed, <laughs> so it was really dreamed up uh during their first lockdown in March 2020 and so I was living alone at that time and that's when it was really intense right we weren't seeing anyone it was there's no you know, like single bubbles or anything it was just you uh and we couldn't even go to cafes at that time. So that's when I would just, all there was to do was to go outside. That's all that was really legal, right? So just go outside and run mm. or walk. And I live um, just outside of Bondi in Rose Bay. And there's some really nice trails that way uh, that I just would do, you know, every day almost. Like a two, two hour run, two, three hour run on the weekends, three, four hours. I'm down to the opera house or in the city. Um, it's so quiet. It was so great to run those paths. And so I, was just, I wasn't even clocking. I wasn't even tracking the Ks. I would just go run. I wasn't using Strava. I wasn't using my watch, anything. Um, I would just go outside. And then I thought about running across America um, just because I'd seen Ricky Gates. He had done it um, and he had done it solo, right? With just like a tent on his back, no crew. And I was like, that's so cool. I could go home. I could see everyone. I could meet, you know, go across country and see my sisters who live in different states and friends who live in different states. And then I just quickly realized that I wasn't going to be able to go home anytime soon. And I wanted to think, okay, what's something that I could do that can't really be taken away, but you know, I, what can I do in New South Wales? Cause that's really where I can mm. go for the next foreseeable future. And what can I do outside? Uh, so Byron to Bondi uh, was the distance that I felt would be good for my first ultra and it's crazy your first ultra <laughs> just, just do it 900k <laughs> that's insane well because at that point too races weren't happening right so i couldn't even really sign up um for any of the uh let's say like mountain you know ultras or yeah. even leave the state right so um you know i just figured it would be a really good way to be able to take time off work um you know five weeks is a pretty reasonable time to me to take off work and they've been so supportive and you know, when I started to look at the map, I said, okay, what's kind of the most coastal that I can do? And, you know, Byron and Bondi had a good ring to it, mm -hmm. right? I know both areas. It'd be nice to finish in Bondi where, I, you know, I'm from, not from, but where I live. 
Um, and so, yeah, I really just started to turn my training into actual training, right? So turn those kilometers into, okay, how can I get a coach and really start mapping this out? And that's when this 900K plan came into effect um, in December of 2020, just before Christmas, actually, last year. So really a year ago, I've been planning to execute mm. this. Yeah, wow, that's good. And it's amazing. I think it seems like you've got a really good team behind you as well. And I know Lydia and myself both kind of worked with Rosie at two different shops, but the same company and you've got part. Oh, I didn't know obviously. that. Yeah, yeah. So she was at the runner shop in Sydney. We were on the Central Coast one. So we'd often speak on the phone, but we were never actually together, but kind of knew know her through that. And then obviously you've got Pat helping you with the physio side of things and then Chapo. So I think that's a really important aspect of it is to have the right team around you. How did you go about sort of finding those people and um, have they been helping you throughout the time while you've been obviously on the road or? Yeah, yeah. So Rosie, I found through the Rejuve running group. Mm -hmm. uh, so Greta runs that in Sydney. It's, it's a massive running group. And um, so she had put me in touch with Rosie and Rosie's been really good with getting me to, you know, injury free through this training. And, you know, she's created a very structured training plan that I find achievable, I, I can do. So, um, you know, writing in the strength training, writing in the kilometers, um, you know, we had two speed workouts every um, week I was doing with the Rejuve group. Uh, so first and foremost, that that was good to kind of check off and just make sure I've got a coach I'm comfortable with. You know, um, she's a really great runner. Uh, and she, you know, actually what was nice too is she chunked this down into achievable goals, right? So um, just not making it so overwhelming. And that's what those training blocks really helped with. I had about five big training blocks. Uh, so that was on the on the coaching front. And then really I found, um, you know, Chapo actually through listening to your podcast um, and, and Pat too. So or, Pat through a few uh, folks, so Greta uh, who does Raju, but then of course, right. You guys had interviewed him as well. So it, Sydney's a small world, right? It's very connected. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course they've all, you know, all contacted me during the run, uh, checking in, see how I'm going very accessible, right. If I need to do a quick phone call with any of them, I can. Um, but to, to be honest, I really have been a lot stronger um, than I thought I was going to, uh, you know, I haven't really had any injuries where I need to check in with anyone mm. daily or whatnot. Um, but yeah, certainly a really great team that got me to the, the starting line in uh, mm. Byron Bay. Oh, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's really good. And I think, um, yeah, it's really nice to sort of see the journey and see it all sort of coming together. Is, is there kind of a deeper reason behind it all? I know you just wanted to you were thinking about doing your challenge in America and then this was kind of the next best thing. Is there any other meaning behind it and a bit more of a reason? I know you've got a bit of um, a charity behind it and some work that you're doing in some environmental areas. Do you want to chat a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, so first and foremost, right, I just wanted to challenge mind and body. I haven't done anything like this and I just was kind of at that point in my life where I really just wanted to get outside and see how far I could push myself physically and mentally. And I'm really, COVID is hard, right? It's been a long two years. And I think this is the exact break that I really needed from um, not only just work and it's just the day-to-day, -day, right? It's just that time kind of blended together into like one block. <laughs> and there's mm. not, you know, we, you know, especially this last lockdown, um, but there are pros and cons to COVID, which we can talk about in a second with training. You know, it gave me a lot of time to train. Um, 
so first and foremost, you know, challenge mind and body. Um, and then also, you know, as I'm reading the coastline, I just think I'm obviously not from Australia, from um, just outside of Detroit. I moved here about five years ago. And I think one of the most amazing things about Australia is the coastline and just the swimming culture and how, um, you know, everyone just goes to the ocean and it's just ingrained in your culture and what you guys do. And I just think it's so great. Uh, so I thought, you know, if I'm running along the coast, um, I wanted to fundraise for surf life saving. And cause I'm going to be seeing all these really remote beaches and all these surf clubs that, um, and I'm a part of the Bondi surf club. Uh, so I just wanted to see those remote beaches and, mm. um, oh, you know, a lot of people ask, they see what we're doing. They're like, Oh, you know, the first question is, what are you doing? You know, I've got my pink vest on my crew is like driving this huge bus. <laughs> I'm going, they're staying. <laughs> Everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Uh, and so you know, that's the first thing that they get asked. And the second thing is like, oh, what are you fundraising for? And so it's really just to bring awareness to surf lifesaving. Uh, and it's a volunteer organization, right? I didn't know much about it before I moved here. And really when I, for the first few years since I lived here, I didn't know much about it. You know, I always saw the flags and the red and yellow, but I didn't really know what that was. Mm. And uh, two years ago, I joined the Body Surf Club. And it's hands down been the best thing I've done since moving to Australia. Probably actually, you know, one of the best groups I've joined ever. Uh, it's just a very good community to, you know, not only volunteer, learn about water safety. Um, everyone's really active. Everyone's really involved in the community and the support that I've gotten from that group of people behind this run has been actually incredible. Um, you know, from day one, everyone's always asking about the journey. Uh, so that's been great to fundraise for them. Oh, that's They're, so nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's and good to have that meaning. But yeah, and you've got another exactly. Part of it. Yep. Yeah, another yeah. So the last um, fundraising, or let's say awareness, that I'm bringing um, is through Pledge for the Planet, and that one came up too because you know fundraising for surf life saving is great, right? But we certainly realize that not everyone can donate money, especially after you know COVID. A lot of folks have perhaps lost jobs, don't have that extra cash laying around. Uh, so one thing that is also extremely important to me is um, just plastic use and how so many folks just use all these single-use plastics and don't really realize where it goes and what it does and how it affects the ocean. They're really the world. And Pledge for the Planet actually I met uh, through Pat. Um, and what I really like about that is if you're doing some of these big runs or you're trying to fundraise, you can ask people to change a habit rather than donate money. Right. So I've asked folks to pick one habit that they can change for the course of my run um, that can essentially better the world. So our crew, we dedicated um, no coffee cups. So no single use coffee cups. If we don't have our cup, we don't get a coffee. Uh, if they don't take keep cups, we don't get a coffee. Um, so that's something that we've stuck to and committed to. And also just in general, you know, we really have been as plastic free as possible during this run. That's amazing. Have you always um, been so aware about your environmental impact or passionate about that? Or is it sort of emerged as you started to adopt more of a coastal lifestyle? Yeah, no, I would definitely say since moving to Australia and meeting um, a few folks here, actually one of my crew members, um, Shanti, she's probably been the person who's brought plastic usage to like the forefront for me. And during COVID, I really, I mean, you're never leaving your house, right? So you see how much waste you bring in. And I live alone, right? So I was like, whoa, I go through a lot, even just soft plastic. A lot of people don't realize that they can, 
have a bag under their sink and put soft plastics in a bag and give it to Woolworths. Yeah. Right? Or there's a really great program in Sydney called Recycle Smart, where they make it so easy. All you do is you sign up every month and you can put a bag of, uh, they, they collect so many things. Um, and you can put a bag outside your house and they come collect it for free. Right? So there's so many things you can do and it's so easy. Um, and it's just making sure that folks know that they can do those sim- simple actions to keep all that soft plastic and all of the plastic, really single-use plastic out of the landfill so it can be repurposed. But it's certainly, I became much more aware of my usage during COVID, um, being at home, right? Starting to compost, um, mm-hmm. putting that in the green bin, um, all of that. Oh, that's great. That's so important. I think, yeah, I think it probably becomes yeah right at the forefront forefront of your mind when you're running along these beautiful beaches and if you you know come across some rubbish or if you see a really nice clean area it probably is a little bit more noticeable when you're out there every day for so many hours and you can kind of see the effects of it all so it probably emphasizes that a little bit as well 100 percent. i would actually say i'm really shocked at how um you know for generally speaking the coastline i haven't seen much come up on our coastline um yeah, that's we're lucky here, right? Um, yeah, we were running the other day and my crew member picked up a balloon off the beach, right? So of course if there's trash, we, we mm. do pick it up, but I actually really haven't seen much on the coastline that I've run. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. one thing I will say, I am um a little bit, you know, I, I think I'm we take for granted perhaps where I live in Sydney, you know, composting. Composting has been really challenging on this trip. Um, mm. so that's one thing actually I hope to speak to the campgrounds about. Oh, yeah. okay. Because usually, yeah, get, none of them have a green bin. Yeah, okay. Mm. It, it's it's such a shame, isn't it? Because um, with like, it's quite almost trendy now to be more aware of your environmental impact. And there's a lot of companies that are bringing out things that are biodegradable or compostable. But then we don't actually have access to compost bins to actually compost these things that are meant to be compostable. So it's quite frustrating, and I feel like it's just a bit of a marketing ploy when. I think we spoke about this actually in our last episode, so with Sui, about the greenwashing in marketing and that they'll sell you the idea of it being, you know, of less environmental impact. But if there's no compost bin or if you haven't got one yourself, then is it any better? Probably not. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Right? These campgrounds are so full, so many families, and if they all have kitchen space, right? And they all have the red, you know, the the red bin and the yellow bin, but no green bin. And in Sydney, at least where I live in Wallara, we can put our compost in the green bin. So that makes a huge difference. So easy. Uh, and, and I just get so frustrated when I see, you know, any neighbors just putting, you know, it's like, it's so accessible, right? You just can take it out every day. It's in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, so it's something I certainly, you know, I've stayed at a lot of campgrounds um, and they're all lovely, right? But that's something that I certainly um, hope to actually talk to them about. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow, good on you. Do you think, um, like, with this run that you've done, you have been able to have a lot of conversations with just people that you've come across about these issues? And do you feel like you're making an impact through that? Yeah, honestly. So there's been a few um, folks, like I said, like, it, we just, um, I think it's just, it's got to be the best, the pink vest. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, pink isn't my color. I think it was on sale, actually. That's how I got it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I really don't like this color. But it honestly was a blessing in disguise. It works for safety on the roads. Mm. So, you know, we can talk about that. But I uh, know. So when, like, we do, you know, 
finish for the day or start, or even I'm doing something like our river crossing on a, on a paddle board, you know, folks will ask my crew members that, uh, cause I'll be gone. You know, like I said, they certainly ask about the fundraising and we do have you know, conversations about it. And it's so nice. You know, sometimes we have someone just give us a $20 bill the other day. Um, you know, as we were leaving the campground, which was just so kind of them, another person, you know, followed me on Instagram and then donated through the link. Uh, so it's really, really nice to have those, you know, random folks you meet, um, donate to the cause. Mm, that's really nice. And I think that, really you know, I think special. a lot of people, a lot of people really appreciate it because everyone goes to the beach here and say, you know, in Australia, mm. it's such a culture and everyone knows what the red and yellow flags are and how dangerous the beaches are here. And the fact that it's all volunteer life-saving, um, you know, for the most part, volunteers taking their time, uh, to to do those saves and to prevent mm. those drownings you know everyone can really relate to that because mm. they've all been to the beach and can all appreciate how dangerous the water is here mm. yeah for sure it's definitely yeah something that's relatable for every Australian I'd say so that's yeah really good um can we chat a little bit about the pink vest and what did you wear what have you been wearing are you changing shoes like can we just chat gear for a little <laughs> little while <laughs> yeah yeah certainly can chat gear so I'm definitely no um like gear junkie um I will <laughs> say that I tried I mean you know one thing of course you know I want to be like as waste-free as possible on this and yeah. that means not trying to buy you know thousands of pieces of clothing or um you know having six watches or anything like that <laughs> yeah I kept a few pairs of shoes so try to keep it simple really at the end mm-hmm. so um, of course I, I run with my my um my, my vest so that holds um let's say three liters of water and I really only run with the vest if it's going to be anything over 20k or if I'm going to be on a busy road uh, I'm sure you guys have obviously ruined vest before you know they add weight and mm. they're not they're comfortable it's just not my favorite thing to wear it's just kind of yeah if you don't need to, to. On. yeah yeah so I would say 80 percent of the run has been, been done in the vest but whenever I can actually Lydia when I was running with um the cross trade uh cross trail yeah. runners we were doing shorter stints right I was with people so I actually didn't wear the vest that day and it's just a nice break from the vest mm. um is Solomon vest that one you've got it, yeah it is a Solomon vest yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it got, um, you know, I had that recommended from a few folks and I actually would rate that best. It's been, it's, it's gotten me through the, the heat <laughs> and the rain. It's easy to wash. It dries quick and it does hold a lot and well, it's really comfortable it's actually. the same one that we have, so from British Yeah, Earth. I'm pretty sure. Skin, isn't it? Yep. Yep, Looks exactly. Like yep. Yeah. 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 I didn't know they did a pink one. Looks nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone for like the black or like the green, yeah. but uh uh, but no, it's, it's actually been really good on the road. Mm. Um, and then for shoes, I brought four pairs of my Brooks Adrenalines. Oh, great uh, choice. I, yeah, I really like, I've, I've well, <laughs> two new pairs. Okay, yeah. So I had two new pairs um, and two like really, I mean, I've probably gone through in this training cycle, um, let's say maybe seven or eight pairs. Uh, six or seven pairs of shoes yeah i mean um, yeah, you're running what what was your average training week leading up to it like a, a lot right over 100 yeah i would say yeah probably 100k is on average 90 to 100 per week i'd say mm-hmm. as massive. Uh, yeah so i went through a lot of shoes and there's just something nice about putting on like a fresh pair of shoes you can just feel it i mean you guys used to work at shoe shop like you get it right <laughs> uh you can just feel like the comfort 
And so sometimes if I was just really not feeling a run, um, on their training cycle, I would just, cause I would order Brooks if they had a sale or if they had maybe like the last, you know, the GTS 20 versus the 21, I would order a few pair of those. So I know I'd use them. So they'd be sitting in my closet and I'm like, today's a, today's a day for a new pair of shoes. <laughs> Treat yeah, myself. Yeah. <laughs> I need that extra little bit of motivation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I had, um, and they really, so I reached out to them, to Brooks, uh, to see if they would donate a pair and they were so gracious. They did. So they sent oh, me a pair and then they gave me a discount for some shoes. So they're actually the, the shoe I've run in, um, my whole life, really my whole running career. Um, so I've run in that shoe for about 15 years, uh, yeah, 15, 17 years now. Um, yeah, so great shoe. Uh, have four pairs of those. I did lose a pair, which is unfortunate. I left a pair outside, (laughs) but it was an older one. So that was fine. Um, so hopefully someone repurposed those on the side of the road. Um, was that one of my river crossings? Yes. Was that my river crossing? Well, actually do on the other side. Yeah, it was in, um, it was in Red Rock. So I had just finished a river crossing. Of course, you take your shoes off outside because they're soaking wet. And I had just left them off on the side. So um, so now I, have, I have three pairs of shoes, which is still plenty. Uh, yeah. And that's like at the start. Oh, I guess Red Rock's what? Almost. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew that. That was about, that was my first training block. First yeah. block of training. So yeah. Um, but I knew I had my two new pairs, so I was fine. And I've really been wearing <laughs> But um, I think one pair is officially retired after this rain we've had. Um, oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're going to dry. <laughs> oh. uh, another gear, I'm just thinking, um, you know, that's kind of it. Just keep it simple. You know, I've got a few shorts, a few shirts. Um, you know, we were able to do washing quite a bit uh, at, this, at the caravan park. So, you know, if I were to like look back, I probably overpacked. Um, you know, you really only need four pairs of shorts, maybe five shirts and a few sports bras and you'd be fine. Really? Um, yeah, I, I definitely have way more clothes than I would have had. You know, I, I, I don't say I don't need anything in that closet really other than four pairs of shorts and four shirts. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And so, um, what are you putting for food in your, so you're obviously saying you take, you can take three layers of water, um, and you're wanting to be quite simple if you can, but what are you eating on your runs? Yeah, well, on my run or throughout the day or on my runs? Well, I guess like firstly on your runs and then beyond that before. Yeah. Yeah, so on the runs, I actually, um, you know, I had a run with Chapo yesterday. And so he's really helped me on the nutrition side of this. Um, You know, talked to him a few times before leaving and just kind of talking, okay, you know, what should my intake be every hour and, and how to work with that? So that's been really helpful, right? So I do aim to have... 60 to 90 grams of carbs per hour but for oh, wow. me that's really hard that's to, massive yeah well if you look at um so i so what i my, my the gels that i use i use a spring energy um they um they have 45 grams in one pouch or in one gel let's say yeah. uh, 45 grams of carbs so I, I try to take one of those every hour every hour and a half really but what I found is on the run and after my run, I'm really, I find it really hard to eat food and um, I just don't want anything. Uh, so I really try to keep it simple. Uh, so what I'll pack for, a, let's say, let's a 30K day is probably my most common. So uh, what I'll do is I'll have um, two just electrolytes um, on my front. So that would be about a liter and a half of electrolytes. 
And then I would have maybe two spring energy gels with me. Wow. Um, it's, not hate, it? like- it's not, it's not really. Um, if it, maybe I'm not like a prime example of nutrition on ultra, but it's just what worked for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I would, I prefer to uh, kind of get the run done, have minimal food, like just minimal food going through my body. Um, I've drank a lot of the tailwind, right? So I find my, you know, that's good for me too. The tailwind, I typically will have maybe one pouch of that um, in my 750 milliliter water bottle. Uh, but if we have a pit stop, that's typically where I'll maybe have like a full mango. Um, if I'm mangoes to be like my go-to food, it's just like, especially in the heat. Yeah, right. Yeah, good time of year for it. Yeah. So mangoes have really been like my go-to pit stop food. Um, if it's a longer run where I'm going to have no access to the crew, let's say like yesterday, for example, um, I was doing a 50 K run and didn't have access to my crew. I packed, um, boiled potatoes. I really like boiled potatoes on the run and, um, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Right. So real food where possible and gels I supplement with, but it's pretty simple. It's not like, you know, I'm not running through like these, I mean, there have been a lot of remote areas, (laughs) (laughs) For the most part, right? Like I, I'm not going to starve. Like there's a gas station or um, a bakery or my crew. Uh, so just try to pack as light as I can. Well, that's yeah. good. I think, yeah, keeping it simple is is really good. And I guess those spring energy gels are pretty like whole food based as well. So if that if that works for you, like you've just got to do what, what you feel good on really. And did you trial any different sort of strategies during training and then figured out that this was the best way or? Yeah, I did. I, you know, I've um, tried like a lot of the gels, right? So like the cliff bars or the cliff bum blocks. I, I used to like those a lot. And then I quickly realized that um, they don't really work for me anymore. Um, and then a lot of the different gels that you know, everyone probably has trialed. Um, what I found has worked best for me are those spring energy. And, and those are like, uh, I am, I'm, I'm vegan. So those are plant-based um, and they're, if you look at the ingredients, right, you can kind of read every ingredient and know what it is. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, those are, I really, really like those. Um, and then for the electrolytes, yeah, just found a brand that worked well for me. Um, you know, I, I have committed to the, I think it's strawberry lemonade flavor. So yeah. had, I don't need any strawberry lemonade after this run is complete. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course you've had that every single day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but definitely during training was trialing there on my long runs, um, you know, with the whole foods. Um, that's where I found that I really like the boiled potatoes um, and just, you know, a sandwich of kinds, whether it's like veggie mite and avocado or peanut butter and jelly that typically holds me over. Um, but I'll say that when I'm done running, that's where my crew will try to have like a protein um, smoothie or um, something made for me that I can drink while I'm in my ice bath and that really helps and that will hold me over until I run for a few for a few hours and then you know, depending on the day sometimes I'm really hungry at lunch um, and we'll just have something that was left over so like pasta or rice and then at dinner that's definitely where I'm consuming the most amount of calories and that's probably that's when I'm most hungry um, so the the crew that I have they've been fabulous at making all sorts of good vegan dinner so um you know, we've had curry, we've had pasta, we've had everything, uh, Mexican, um, anything we've had. So they, <laughs> they've definitely changed the menu up quite a bit. Well, That's good. 
You um just mentioned ice bath. Um, is that every day you have an ice bath? Could you tell us what your recovery strategy is? Yeah, so the recovery strategy, that's certainly, I think, something that has helped me stay injury-free um, during this run mm. and feeling, let's say, as fresh as I can. I don't say I feel fresh every day, but um, I will finish the run around one o'clock typically. And from there, I, you know, my crew will hopefully be parked at the campsite, you know, plug the van in and we'll go just get a bag of ice. And I have got a big um, storage container. So something like you'd like almost put like a Christmas tree in, um, like a packing tub. Yeah. <laughs> and we just put a bag of ice in, put the hose in and it actually works really well. You know, I've been to some of those recovery centers where they have like the ice baths that you can sit in and um, this is this just as good. Yeah, I mean, it's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely works for like 10 minutes and then the ice kind of yeah, obviously starts to melt. Um, but I do that. I try to do that every day, but sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes the place doesn't have ice mm. or it's it's raining outside. Um, so you know, yesterday, for example, we finished a really big run. I didn't get to ice bath. Um so that's recovery number one. Um when it was sunny outside, recovery number two is an ocean swim. So just getting my body in the water, right? It's still cold enough where it feels like it's almost like an ice bath. Mm. Uh, So that was really nice. And then the third thing um, would be the uh, recovery boots, right? So the, the, I call them compression boots. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were kindly donated a pair of those actually through Chapo. He put me in contact um, with a recovery um, center in Sydney that let me borrow the boots for the month. So I haven't had access to something like that in my training, right? Um, so having those every day, I think that has really, really helped. It almost mm. makes the legs feel as fresh as they can. Yeah, that's so interesting because I guess that's a relatively new sort of technology. I haven't tried them personally, but they look really interesting. Do you? So you just sit there and turn them on and they just do their thing or...? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I just try to yeah. use them for 30 minutes and okay. yeah, like you, Sophie, like I hadn't used them before. Mm. Um, I had used them once or twice. Um, but I would recommend them if you're doing a long distance adventure like this, you know, I would say that they really, really have helped, especially for my feet. Uh, there's something mm. about it when you stand up, the feet feel fresh, right? Mm. My feet aren't tender to stand on anymore. Um, because my injury coming into this was my right foot. I've got tendonitis in the ankle mm. and that's where it can just flare up. And, um, you know, working with pad, it's nothing that, you know, I can, it's something I can run through. Mm. And luckily I haven't had it that bad during this whole, um, adventure. Um, but I have certainly been aware of doing the recoveries. And if I don't, then I know that I would certainly bring on injuries Mm, no that's great and I think even I mean I imagine like physiologically there's definitely some benefit to it but I think even just for you to stand up and feel fresh mentally you might you'd probably be like okay I'm ready for another day whereas if you're like feeling heavy and sore and sluggish it's it would probably be a lot harder to get out of the door and do it so I think yeah it probably would help your spirits and just motivate you a little bit more if you're feeling a bit better yeah, it's just relaxing too, right? Mm. I sit on my bed and the crew will be like, hey, what do you want for dinner? And so, <laughs> you know, they've been so great through this, um, helping me with the whole recovery, right? Like making the ice baths, filling the tub, um, making the protein smoothies. Um, you know, they've been, my crew has been, they're like the real MVPs of this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that's often overlooked too, because you imagine 
like we're all just thinking, oh my God, you're running so far. But you, I mean, did you consider doing it on your own? I know you mentioned that guy in America that did it with a tent. Would you think about doing it that way? I did actually. So when I first started to think about it, I was certainly you know inspired uh, to do it on my own and to sleep in a tent and carry the tent. And um, I watched his movie. I think it's called Transamericana. And, you know, he's got, you know, he's like traveling so minimally, but he's like sleeping under bridges and, and things like that. Mm. And then kind of quickly realized that that might be a really intense way to get into <laughs> ultra running. So maybe actually. So, yeah. So I think next time I will do something like that, maybe to add a oh little challenge mm. to it. But um, no, that's where I said, okay, let's maybe make this a more enjoyable experience for the first go. And um, I talked to Chapo who had biked across America and he had had a motor or like a van, right. Right. He slept in every night. And so he had some really good points around, okay. You know, cause I was thinking, do I do Airbnbs, motels? How do I, how do I sleep at night? Um, do we just get a small car and do the, the hotel thing? And he made a really good point. And actually the, the motor home has been really um, efficient because at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is like unpack your bag. Um, repack it, bring it downstairs, upstairs to these Airbnbs or hotels and figure out how to get in and leave and clean up. So the van's been super efficient and we have everything that we need in the van. Um, you know, uh, some, we've probably stayed around 20 campsites at this point. I would say half of those have been donated. So people have been really kind donating the campsites. Um, the motorhome company, Let's Go, they gave me 50% off this van. So mm. it it's just it's been a really efficient way to travel and it's actually the van is beautiful. <laughs> You've got everything <laughs> we need. It's so, um, I can say, I can so yeah, Lydia, yeah, Lydia <laughs> saw it. She came over to dinner when I was Did you take box. it for a test drive, Lydia? Oh no, that <laughs> not with my boot on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, yeah, that's the hardest thing is navigating, um, you know, just logistics of the van and how, you know, mm. getting in and out of the parks and, the van yeah. can't go on unsealed roads. So it just adds the letter level yeah. of complexity to your point, right? Would I ever do this solo without the crew? You can really do whatever you want, right? You can go on any road you want, mm. but the fact is, is um, you know, you, you would really be dependent. Yeah. It adds a whole level. If you do yeah. this solo, mm. it adds a whole nother level of complexity. Yeah, so sure. maybe next time. Yeah. <laughs> and how have you managed like the navigation and logistics? Obviously, there's so much preparation and planning that would go into it, but actual day-to-day -day navigating, like have you got the map loaded on your watch or are you just um, kind of winging it? Like how do you go about that? Yeah, so the ironically the hardest thing about this whole run, not even physically, or has been the logistics mm -hmm. and planning. Mm -hmm. um, or I don't, it's definitely been my least favorite part of it, right? So I probably started, uh, actually, I remember I started planning for this. Um, it, I had to do like a 24 hour isolation. Um, right. I'd gotten a COVID test. So I remember just being like, well, I have nothing else to do all day. So I started, I was like, today's the day you're going to start planning, you know, the actual route. Cause you go, you, you, you go online, you like Google Byron to Bondi run or anything and nothing obviously comes up. Um, so it's all, everything has been, has been self-created in the sense of all of the paths and, where I'm staying and how many kilometers I'm running per day. I would say that creating the entire plan um, has taken weeks, right? I started, mm. I started in December of last year, actually doing the plan. Um, 
And there would be certain days of the plan that could take a whole week to plan, right? You look at it and you're like, okay, how am I going to cross this river? Or do I go this way to avoid that? And you map out six different routes for one day and you just have to choose the best one and piece it all together. So it's been a really, really big puzzle to put together. When I look day by day, no, I don't load the map on my watch. I don't even know if I can do that. I probably <laughs> should have I don't know. looked into that. That's beyond our <laughs> technology skills. <laughs> that would have been nice. Uh, maybe next time. Next time. Uh, yeah. Don't do it the first one. Save, <laughs> save something for next year. But, you know, each, each night we'll sit down with the crew and go through the day and we'll look at the route and say, okay, where are we going to meet? Um, and I would say in the beginning, I was trying to meet my crew a lot more than I needed. Um, I thought maybe I would have to have a touch point with the crew every 10K, let's say, just for like safety and refills. And the reality is, is that I can go 30Ks without seeing the crew. And now I feel comfortable doing that. Mm. So I give a big shout out to my first crew member, Louise. She probably stopped the most, right? Along with random parts of the road waiting for me. And then we drive to the next random bit every 7 to 10K. Now we're really stretching it out to around... 20 to 30 kilometers um and that's where i'll just sit down with the crew and say okay where can we meet where can we park the bus do you want to run in and meet me and run out um it really just depends on the day but you know i'm using google maps all day every day right mm-hmm. the satellite looking to see okay is it dirt road is it a trail is it a private road that's something i wasn't expecting you know sometimes i get to these tracks and it's got these huge signs, like private road. One was funny. It was like private road, savage dogs on the loose. Oh. <laughs> oh, so, so luckily I like just went the other way. Oh, um, I thought you were going to say you just went through. You're no, like, no. Fun. <laughs> no, I didn't have to go through that one. I just laughed. Um, but there are times where, you know, my crew was on the other side. And they're like, Ellie, this is a private road. You can't get through. Mm-hmm. Right. So just kind of rerouting on the fly. I would say for the most part, the logistics, you know, whilst the hardest to do and my least enjoyable part of the run or the whole adventure, it has been successful, right? Like I, mm. I feel like the work that I've put in and the hours that I put into planning it has made this as easy as possible. Um, you know, there's been a few days where we're like, okay, what are we doing? How do we do this? Um, but for the most part, it's pretty smooth. Mm, oh, so if nice. anyone needs a plan from Byron yeah. to Bondi, please let me know. There you go. Just follow your <laughs> Strava. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So that's what I I will. I I am eager to kind of go back to my plan and and just map out what I actually did and kind of the edits that I did and just so I can remember it. And yeah, Strava, of course, has been so great to record it all. And Mm. there are certain days that I would recommend, you know, no one run. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, right. Take note of that. Yeah. He's wanting to retrace all his steps. Yeah. Well, I think it's so complicated too because, like, if I think of driving to Byron, it's like you just follow the freeway. Like, it's just literally just a straight road the whole way. But as soon as you go along the coast, like, the coastline isn't just straight up and down. Like, there's so many little cutaways with rivers and water and cliffs and, like, there's so much more to navigate than just following a straight road. So, yeah, it's amazing that you've come this far. I think you've probably done, I would imagine, the more complicated part of it and you've done obviously a majority of it now, but now you're getting, you know, towards – a bit more of a suburb suburban areas and more cities so you probably the tracks I imagine will probably have been used a little bit more but 
yeah, to figure it all out, it's just amazing. Yeah, and like it's just working with, you know, like Lydia and the coughs group got me through. That was one question mark day. And I just, you know, posted to the group that Lydia had created, like, hey, does anyone have any paths through this? And mm. and they did, right? So it's just mm. talking to other runners. And I actually just reached out to a Sydney-based runner, um, you know, to get into Sydney, um, up mm. in the northern beaches where I'm not as familiar. You know, hey, are there any paths that I can jump on? Because one thing um that's really come to light for me in this is that before I would have always considered myself a road runner, like 90% of my training in Sydney is road running. Um, I've got one to two trails that I can run in Sydney, but when given the option, I tend to go for the road. Mm. And what I've realized now is hundred percent. I would choose a trail any day over mm. a road. Um, and those have been my most enjoyable days is when it's just trail or just coastline. Um, there's been a lot of beach running that I wasn't anticipating. And this is probably naive of me. Um, <laughs> And I'm doing a coastal and <laughs> But the thing is, is, you know, when you look at these coastal runs and um, Lydia, your neck of the woods is a good example of this, right? The solitary um, coastal pathway, I think it's called. The yes, solitary islands right. coastal run. That is actually probably what been one of my favorite routes, like that whole stint. Oh. But when you look at a map, you don't really realize like, you know, they say, oh, 20K from point A to point B. And in my head, I'm like, oh, it's going to need to be like a boardwalk or that's going to be following the coast. But a lot of times these coastal walks take you actually on a beach, right? To walk oh, yeah. for 10, yeah. 15 kilometers. Yeah. And luckily, if I catch the tide, it's low tide and it's hard sand. But there's been a lot of beaches that I've hit at high tide mm. um, that it's just soft sand, right? So just take it as I go. And I didn't do any sand training. None. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wow. Um, and so my first block of this, I would say had about 80 to 90 Ks of sand running. Um, So that was just kind of a, um, rude awakening. But like I said, then we start running on the road. You're kind of like, Oh, I missed the sand. Right. You're so, yeah, it's crazy. And I know. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You go. Oh no. I was just going to say the busy roads, um, or hand that those are my hardest days um because they take they take the most amount of focus and mm. you can't you know you can't wear your headphones and of course i'm running against traffic um but one thing that's so surprising to me is cars don't slow down like mm. you know if i'm right dry, you know i slow down for bikers or it's not often i guess you see a runner on these main roads for bikers mm. for sure people just stay the speed limit wow. <laughs> um yeah, it is. Honestly, I'm really like, I consider myself fortunate that I haven't had any angry drivers or, mm. um, you know, everyone, no one's been angry about it, but no one's really, not, not enough yeah. people have slowed down, to be honest. And especially on these wet roads, there was, when I was running um, the Lakes Way, um, that to that, the Lakes Way um, gets you in from, where is that? It's around Seal Rocks area. Or yeah, it would get you from like old bar to Seals Rocks. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Um, I was like, oh, Lakes Way. That sounds like a lovely road. And I look at Google. <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess you can look at Google Maps and you can look at satellite and you can, you know, see yeah. the road on satellite. And you kind of look at it when you're building your training or when you're building your plan. You're like, oh, that looks like a narrow road or it doesn't look that busy. And you kind of forget you're looking at a photograph, right? You're not mm. looking at cars going by you at 100, mi- or 100 kilometers an hour. Oh. and there's no sh- there's no shoulder right and that was one day where i was like this is unsafe i need to get off this road and just diverted and just added um added an extra 15k that day but i oh, wow. added it 
I would rather have done that than run on that busy road. Um, so in my next adventure, I don't know what that would be. I'll certainly take that into account more, try to stay off the roads as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty important part, but a shame that you had to add so much on. <laughs> yeah, that day of my career, I was like, are you sure you want to do this? If yeah. you only run like seven more K, it saves you 10. And I was like, oh. I have to get off this road. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there's been only about two or three or four days like that, uh, where it's just like intense focus. And of course, right, it's super easy to roll your ankle on something like that, mm. because you're kind of going on and off of a raised shoulder, yes. mm. no shoulder, a raised road, yeah. right? Oh. And there's like semis going by you. And no. um, yeah, so those are the days where if anyone's doing this, and, you know, <laughs> I'm going to avoid those paths and figure out a yeah. route. Go the long way. Yeah, no, that's good to know. Exactly. <laughs> we'll consider that. <laughs> it's crazy. Like that's something that comes up as like being some of the hardest days and it's not even necessarily related to like the struggle of running. Like mm. it's completely separate. 100% that is the route is the thing that's impacted the run. I thought it was the weather at first right at the first it was so hot it's so mm. humid I was like this is gonna be what makes or breaks me and then I got more into the different courses of you know I had done beach running I had done uh coastal pass I had done road running and road running is not all bad right I've done some beautiful country roads that go along rivers and are really quiet it's just these main roads that typically mm. connect these major cities, not major cities, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the pit stops that I'm in, yeah. uh, like Port Macquarie, um, getting out of that was really hard. Mm. Um, you know, I'm anticipating probably leaving the Newcastle area to be a little bit busier than normal. Yeah. Um, and it's just the only way in or out. So I have to do that road. Mm. Uh, the other thing are the river crossings. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've had a lot of river crossings in the plan and those have probably been the biggest question marks through like, planning the itinerary um but luckily I've gotten really lucky uh with being able to cross all of the rivers so far I think I've actually crossed my last river um congratulations (laughs) (laughs) so they were part of the plan were they they always were like known um Mm. but maybe not so there was one day it was actually my first river crossing it was through um I think it was the Angori coastal walk um, up north yeah, and there's a few river crossings in that. And, you know, the New South Wales, um, it's like a state park or a national park, and it's a plotted out course. And they do a mm. good job of saying, you know, you're going to have to cross this river. Here's a phone number. But there was one, I must have just misread, and I got to a river, and there's a camp ranger there. And he's like, where are you going? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going over there. He's like, how? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, there's a river, and it's 20 feet deep. And that's where he's like, well, I'm taking people over there and about two or three hours and I just didn't have time I couldn't wait that because I had a big day ahead Mm. and that's where um and it wasn't swimmable um (laughs) that's one thing as a lifesaver right like I know my limits and I know Mm. it's not so when that certainly was not something I could get across and so he had a kayak that let me borrow um (laughs) yeah so it was really nice of him uh and then of course there's a few that I could actually book ahead and and plan for Mm. um a few that have swam um (laughs) that was not expected uh, and then, of course, there's some ferries that I've had to take um, just to get from point A to point B. So, you know, the 900 kilometers are running. Um, so those aren't adding like the the ferry crossings, let's say. Um, the 900 kilometers is running. And then with the ferry crossings, it would be a little bit extra because there's some big crossings. Like I just did 
Hawk's Nest to Port Stevens, and that's an hour boat ride. Right? Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, definitely not swimming that. <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, now we've got some questions through from some listeners. I think majority of them are your friends from back home. Um, but the first one that we kind of just touched on then is from our friend Chapo. And he was wondering whether the river crossings count towards your cumulative total. So I think you've just mentioned that, but are you measuring the rivers at all? Like, is that considered at all? Or are you literally just every kilometer that you run, that's what you can No. So I guess if it was, let's say when I swam, the watch would just have stayed on, but those are like Mm. tops a hundred meters swimming. Not even, no, that's, that's an exact, no, there was probably a few that were a little bit long. Some of the stuff I've seen on your Instagram You've done some proper swims. And I'm going to ask you as well. I was like, so how did that work? You're like, oh, I just put my phone in my hat, leave my joggers oh. on. Yeah, that. I mean, you kind of just get to a river and you're like, you know, I was told one river was going to be like waist deep. And I get there and I'm like, this is not waist deep. So you're, <laughs> no. you're just kind of like, okay, we're, you know, I've got my electronics, I have my headphones, I've got my, my phone. Oh. So I just pop those in my hat. It's crazy. And, um, wow. Just keep, my, keep your shoes on, right? Because they're strong currents, right? So I need to have like, my arms fully yeah. <laughs> able to swim, not holding yeah. shoes. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to get, you know, in the beginning, it was really nice weather, right? So it was really hot. So I would dry within, you know, 20 minutes. So that wasn't that bad. But uh, yeah, I haven't lost a phone or, or ruined any mm. electronics in the swims thus far. That's amazing. Did you end up with any blisters or anything? Because obviously when you, if you like getting your feet soaking wet yeah. and then running through sand as well, surely that would be yeah. a little bit uncomfortable. So you know, I, I hear like, you know, of course, like people doing like ultras and blisters, are, like one of their biggest hindrances, right? It's, mm. it's so, it's so frustrating. Like, it's such a simple thing, mm. but I've actually been really lucky and I haven't had any big blisters. Um, yeah. You know, the feet will definitely need some tender loving care <laughs> when I get back to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've actually like have been really lucky in that sense that my mm. feet have really held up. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we've got a question from Jake Patterson who just wanted to know about your injuries and your training. So I know we've kind of gone over most of those, but you did mention before that you were having a bit of a foot injury. Do you want to just touch on that? Yeah. So my foot injury popped up um, after my first, let's say, go at doing like a three to four day, um, like a practice run really. Mm-hmm. So I had ran um, the Bondi to Manly coastal path in three days and that's around 80 Ks, I think. Mm. So that's really the first time I practiced doing back to back days. And after that run, I could just tell something was wrong with my ankle and I didn't know if I had rolled it or, or what was going on. And um, I took a few days off actually. I think I took maybe two weeks off to, to kind of just let it rest. And um, that's when I had got in touch with Pat and we had diagnosed just tendonitis. Um, and I'm going to, it comes from the calf muscle. Um, you girls might know it's the perineal, mm. um, it wraps around your ankle, um, yeah. a tendon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perineal and exactly. So that was something like, luckily I could still keep a load. Um, you know, I did lighten the load, but I still was running after letting it rest and settle down. Cause really, you know, I was told what's going to fix that is just rest and recovery. And I still needed to keep training. So, um, did a lot of, um, dry needling actually was, was really good. So I went to the podiatrist and, and he was able to dry needle, um, the calf and, and that area. Um, and then really just calf raises, right. So Pat just recommended, you know, heaps of calf raises. And then I started mm-hmm. doing weighted calf raises and that really made a difference. And just being religious about doing the calf raises, 
Um, and of course, just um, trying to get, you know, massage in when I could. Mm. Um, you know, that's really the extent of that injury. And luckily, it's it hasn't been anything that's been a showstopper, let's say. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's, yeah, it's nice when it just sort of settles down and doesn't turn into anything else. Um, Meredith exactly, O'Connor yeah. sent through consistency when injured. So I guess in your case, luckily your injury was something you could kind of manage and you've been out, I mean, you've been very consistent because you've been running 30Ks a day for nearly a month now. Um, but had you had any issues in the past where you had to kind of take a decent amount of time off or were you able to, have you just sort of been able to manage any other injuries in the past? Well, ironically, um, my biggest injury in this training block was not due to like running. I actually had a swimming accident. Um, in, so I started training pretty seriously, let's say Christmas last year and maybe about, a, and I was like, you know, really in the training. Like I thought I was going to be going to like five months to go do this big adventure. And in January, um, I was swimming in the Harbor and, um, cut my wrist tendon on glass. Just, oh, it was a ouch. really, really unfortunate timing of it all. Mm. And, um, so that put me out, um, but that was like a full blown, like surgery on the wrist and couldn't move my wrist and had a cast on my wrist. And so that put me out probably for about, um, two to th- at least three weeks of no running, nothing. Um, and then of course I was able to be like light running on light running with the cast. And then, cause if I fell, that was going to be detrimental to my wrist. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, pro- that was the longest time I had to take off, but that was just a good opportunity to incorporate like more strength training. Right. Mm-hmm. So like the, the, that was a really good injury for me to have because it, I think I was talking to you about this Lydia, right. With your, your foot injury um, because I could still uh, go for walks, right. I could still do stairs. Um, I still try to stay as active as I could during that surgery, during that recovery um, and just do heaps of strength training. Um, so that was ironically the biggest injury I had and the most mm-hmm. time I had to take off. Mm, okay well that's good that yeah you, you were able to get through that sounds painful though <laughs> don't recommend it <laughs> <laughs> now there's a couple of questions here that are sort of similar so Alyssa Crawford Louise Anderson and is it Andrea I'm Andrea. not sure her last name yep, yep. yeah um, they've all just asked questions around I guess the mental aspect of all this so we've talked about injuries and navigation and the food mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing but has has the mental side of it been tough for you? Have you found there's been days where it's just been a really like mental battle to get through it? Have you found that motivation's a little bit low? Um, yeah, what sort of your thoughts around that side of things? Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, going into this, that's probably what I was hoping to achieve most was, okay, how far can I push this mentally? And, and kind of, you know, you hear about these folks running these like 100 mile races and they cross into this like next threshold of of pain um i will say that you know physically you need to be strong for something like this and but i think where i come in is i'm certainly what i've learned this and probably mentally stronger than physically stronger um i was talking to chap about this on our run yesterday it's just funny because you know you wake up every morning and i don't even think about i don't think about okay can i do this mm. you know how can I take today off? It's just, I just do it and get it done. And there'll be days where certainly it's less enjoyable. Um, but there's something really invigorating about running from point A to point B. And it's not often really good to do that. Right. Cause there's always logistics about how do I get home or, or something like that. So I'll say that I think 
COVID was a blessing in disguise or lockdown number two was a blessing in disguise because I had to run the same 5k radius for four months right so Mm -hmm. um just running the Bondi promenade or the trail um up and down Watson's Bay to Vaucluse um that will get you really mentally strong (laughs) when you you know you're running the same road so it's really actually I think that got me ready because now I'm seeing new things. I'm every single day I'm doing something different. So it makes that more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's certainly been days where I'm out there and I'm like, why, you know, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And I feel sorry for myself, um, especially in this rain. It's been really hard with mm-hmm. the rain. Uh, you know, I've had a few moments where, you know, the t- like the tears come and they're not full breakdowns, but I like, yeah, one was when I was on a beach and uh, will I? Mm-hmm. And I had, I was just mad at myself because I had underestimated the kilometers. I'd done math wrong and I thought I was going to do 28 kilometers. And it was turning to 37 and the last eight were on soft sand and mm. the caravan park calls me and they're like, Ellie, are you coming? We're worried about you. There's a storm coming oh. and I'm like alone on this isolated beach. <laughs> I don't see my crew member. And I'm just like, what am I doing? <laughs> and I said like eight kilometers to go. Right. So I kind of had a moment there. Um, but then I just kind of realized it's kind of a waste of energy. Just get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've actually been really proud of the mental stamina that I brought to this, um, especially doing it alone. You know what? That's something I've underestimated. Doing this alone and navigating it alone and being in this really remote um, paths, especially up north, there were some really remote paths that I had to navigate and there's not a single person out there. There's no service. Um, that's you, something you I think nervous? I'm proud of. So. No. Do you nervous doing that, being on your own? Oh, I thought you said, do you have service? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there. I was like, no. Not much at all. But yeah, do you get nervous? nervous? Yeah, I think um, it's so funny to see, like, in the beginning, yes, like a lot more so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yesterday I was anxious about, I was doing 50Ks, really, you know, there wasn't, much service it was pouring rain um in the middle of the bush um so I was anxious about yesterday but yeah I get nervous in certain parts and you kind of just realize you're really out there um you know there's one or two days up in like Red Rock um you know I'm like traversing boulders to get across the beach and once again right if you make a wrong these aren't a lot of these paths aren't um don't have signs or like go this way right they're not like well marked coastal paths some of them mm, yeah. and you're alone right and you're on service and if you make one turn um it's not like I'm gonna get like lost in the woods but it's more so that if the tide is wrong then I can't actually make the crossing and then I have to turn all the way back around so you just have to be really aware especially with like the ocean and crossing the ocean and crossing these tides um that's kind of what I was most nervous about is just making a wrong turn and not being able to complete the day yeah because um, but all said and done it's it's been it's been you know safe and we've had you know really no no runs with anything like i said the most unexpected thing like the river crossings getting to the river mm-hmm. and be like okay i just swim this <laughs> do you think though having um those days where you've really struggled emotionally and maybe physically also has then made you stronger on those other days like do you think that sort of having that light and shade just gives you more strength or at least having a perspective can allow you to get through yeah. on other days. 
that's really a good way to put it, Lydia, for sure. Like I'll be running, um, you know, yesterday's a really good example of that. So the day before, you know, was pouring rain. It was like, I'm talking pouring. <laughs> <laughs> and I was running on um, the lakes way, which we've talked about. It's a really windy road, no shoulder. Um, you know, it was a really long day. And then the next day I had, so that was maybe around 35K. And the next day I had to do 50K. Mm-hmm. And once again, I was anxious about that because I've never run 50K before. Um, it's the longest run I've ever done. And I was going to be alone. You know, I had chapel for the first 10Ks and my crew member was running in to meet me, but I didn't know the course. I didn't know if the course was going to be washed out because of the rain. Um, but as soon as I got on the course, I was like, oh, this is, I can do this, right? I've, it, it's a quiet road. It's just a trail. You know, if I have to stop and walk, I can do this. I've done remote stuff before. Like you you're going to get out to the other side where there's a paved road or a sealed road. So hundred percent puts it in perspective. Um, yeah. But I look back on those early days, even the first day I was worried about doing like a, like a, I think it was like a 10 K beach on my own. And I was like my first beach crossing. And it's just so funny. Like we had gone out the day before and sussed out the beach and looked at the tide schedule. And, and now it's just, you know, you could, it is high tide. You still just go. Yeah, yeah it's well, just another day. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Really, you really um, progress, I guess, at least. Yeah. <laughs> in confidence with rivers and, and sand and, and I guess, the navigation yes. side of it as well. That's awesome. 100%. Um, yeah, that's cool. And that, um, those sort of things that you're saying to yourself, like all that positive self-talk, is that quite an intentional strategy that you use to, to spur yourself on and stay motivated? Like, telling yourself I can do this I've done hard things before it's, it's just another bit of sand like do, do you have that as a bit of a strategy or, or that just comes naturally yeah no so I've got it's very corny but I've got my <laughs> mantra so it's just so funny because like I'll be out in like the middle of the bush and I'm like if anyone's like listening to me talk out loud because right <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the times actually I don't have headphones in um you know I, I I try to like uh be out in the nature as much as possible if I'm having a really hard day that's when I allow myself to put headphones in and listen to an audiobook particularly okay. like, on the beach runs yeah no. um but it's funny, like if I'm outside and um, I tend to kind of hit my wall at around 33 to 35K. And um, my mantra is, uh, there's nothing you can't do. So I just keep saying that out loud over and over again. And sometimes I sing it, sometimes I say it. Say that again. Do you want to give us a bit of a demo now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sing it. Sure. Well, in, the, in the morning, like, you know, my crew... It's, it's, I will, I will, but um, in the morning, you know, it's funny going through like the different girls that I've had in the crew, um, you know, sometimes they'll wake up and like, it's a great day to run 35 kilometers or they'll, you know, some of the girls <laughs> know the so mantra. There's nothing- I love this. I so, really- <laughs> this is so good. Everyone I've been around has been so positive and supportive. Um, but yeah, you know, so on the run, I'm like, you know, there's nothing you can't do. <laughs> Come on, put some, put some effort into it. <laughs> And I say that over and over again, or, um, you know, my, my sister, um, my sister does ultras and she gets her kids to say these affirmations. And so my nephews will call me and early videos and their, their mantra is dig deep. So Aww, that's good. You know, they'll, I'll get a lot of dig deeps from the kids. Um, nice. and yeah, you know, it's just, 
once you kind of get past, you know, yesterday I had a really hard day, 35, I was doing 50 at 35. I stopped to have a sandwich with my crew. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like my mm. hips were in pain. Like they've never been. And I was like, I actually don't know how I'm going to finish these 15 Ks. But then he just realized like the bus isn't there. I'm, mm. I have to get out somehow. And yeah, I said, you know, did the mantra a few times, put my headphones in and, and just went. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's so good that you've got a strategy and it's obviously working because yeah, you've made it this far. So well done. It's very good. <laughs> now we oh sorry. Do like, um, do you feel like you have um sort of reached your wall? Like you've you've mentioned a few times like hitting the wall, whatever it is, thirty K, um, or particular days that are really exhausting physically and or mentally. Uh do you feel like you're sort of pushing yourself right to the limit or do you think this is just the start and you're sort of just dipping your toes in the water? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good question. There's certain, yesterday, you know, I've said it a few times, it was hard. I was probably physically the hardest, you know, I've put my body through. And, it, you know, it wasn't just the 50Ks. I think if I were to go to a 50K, you know, fresh on fresh legs, that's a different story. But it's just the backing it up day to day is really challenging sometimes. Mm, massive. So, you know, I think I looked at my Strava this week and it was like at 200 20 or 240 kilometers and it's just you know I haven't done that so that's where physically yesterday I had just hit the physical wall mm. and um but it's nothing that a sleep can't fix right so the next day like you know eating a good meal doing my recovery um you know getting support from my crew sleeping and just waking up and having a new day and just knowing like I have to run this today um that's really what's gotten me through but I do think that you know my first crew member asked she's like do you think that this is hard enough for you (laughs) (laughs) because I think she kind of just saw me going through the motions right Mm -hmm. like okay new day let's go and I was like yeah this is definitely hard enough um (laughs) but I I do (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's hard enough but I do think um you know, I, I'm definitely, I don't know what I'll do next, but it will be something, um, you know, probably, I actually don't know what I can do next, but I would like to, to, to do something, you know, that can continue to challenge me. Mm. Oh, that's is exciting. It, Keen to see what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure. I was talking to Chapel yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm keen to get into some bike riding. So maybe mm. like triathlons, because um, mm. I obviously like swimming. I like running. I, I, I don't really bike. So I might be um, yeah. looking to, you know, get a cheap bike when I get back to Sydney and put my toes in that. Yeah, nice. Very cool. Um, now, we've got a few more questions to get through. We'll try and fly through them relatively quick. Um, a couple around uh, the nutrition side of things is, again, so we've touched on them briefly. Um, but Matt asked, what does a daily meal plan look like? So it sounds like you get up, go for your run, you've got your electrolytes and your spring energy gels and then maybe some potatoes, a sandwich, yeah. pasta <laughs> or rice for dinner. Is that roughly how a normal day goes? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, we just want to say plant-based on this. So, um, you know, that's been important being, yep. you know, keeping the vegan diet. Um, yeah, you know, avocado toast in the morning, what you just laid out with the, with the running schedule and then dinner, super flexible, whatever the crew wants to make. Um, you know, they've made some really great meals for me. Yeah. Awesome. And just on that with the vegan plant-based side of things, um, Alyssa Crawford has asked, have you craved meat at all during the journey? <laughs> no, I have not. No? Um, no. How long have you been vegan? No. Um, probably about seven years now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, so 
no craving of meat on this journey. Okay, <laughs> awesome. All right, we've got a couple. We might just go rapid fire through the questions from Andrea. Um, she's asked a few that we've just touched on, but she said, do you get nervous running alone in unknown areas and have you had any creepy experiences? So I know you mentioned before that you've yeah had a few moments where you're alone, but have you had any run-ins with anyone? I haven't had any run-ins. No, I've been extremely, it's been an extremely safe journey. Um, yeah, of course, there's been moments where I'm like, you know, mentioned I'm alone and whether a national forest or a state forest and it's just me. Um, so of course you're going to get nervous. Um, but no, I feel very fortunate that everything has gone relatively smooth. Good. Awesome. And she also asked if you could go back to the start, what would you tell yourself yourself? And is there anything that you would change? Good question. Um, I think from the start, there were certain days that, you know, it was very much like, kind of like my crew member first crew members noticed, like just going through the motions, like, okay, like wake up, do this run, you know, get through the day. And just to take it back, like this whole thing is I want to enjoy it. I don't mm. want my crew to enjoy it. It's so much to ask of them to help support, you know, I've had four girlfriends come out. Um, one of their husbands helped drug me up. So I want them to enjoy this experience. And um, I want everyone to have a good time. And I want to remember this. And, and of course, I want this to be a mental and physical challenge, but I want to enjoy it. And there are certain days where I would just try to get the run done as quick as possible and um, very point A to point B. And if I were to go back, I would just try to maybe even slow some of the days down. Right? There were some days where we'd be done running by like noon and have the rest of the day to kind of enjoy the beach and uh, maybe check out like the local pub or get lunch. Um, I think it, there are days where I'd probably slow the runs down and just enjoy that actual run more. Mm, yeah. Not okay. on the busy roads though. Yeah, true. Get off the busy Split roads. Through those. Oh, just Honestly, <laughs> I would love to look at my Strava. I'm yeah. My, you know, my average pace is not fast. I should say that, right? I'm running probably six minute or seven minute Ks, depending on the day. But, you know, when I'm on the road, I'm probably like 530. <laughs> yeah. It's like fast for me. Yeah, definitely. No wonder. Um, okay, she's got a couple more. What was your favorite? Uh, part of the experience so far and after this amazing feat is over what will your running routine look like my favorite part hands down has just been being able to wake up and go outside for six hours seven hours a day it's not often that you can do that if you think I mean I I, I have a corporate job and uh you know I go to work every day right so inside the office building or actually inside my home for the last two years so mm. to wake up and just go outside for six seven hours definitely has been my favorite thing. Um, and then just also seeing um, all the support that everyone has given behind this run, you know, meeting you girls and you guys organizing the run groups in your cities, my crew that I've mentioned a few times. Um, of course, my family supported me, the surf club, um, all of the team that we just talked about, my coach, uh, physio, massage therapist, podiatrist, uh, just meeting all those people right? Mm -hmm. Like these are people I'll stay in contact with, right? And just good people who are doing really cool things and supporting kind of this crazy adventure that I have. Mm. Oh, that's so nice. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's so important to have the right people around you and would make the experience, I guess, a little bit easier or yeah, just make you feel a little bit more comfortable. And yeah, that's really nice. Um, now, one more question from Alyssa Crawford again, and it's probably a bit of a touchy subject because there's a few people in here that might be 
up for nominations, but if you could pick one person to crew from back home in the US, who would you pick? Because <laughs> I know you've got a few of your friends That's that have really sent hard. messages. So That's... out of them or someone yeah. else. <laughs> you know what, actually, I was just talking to my sister this morning and she's um, she's done some ultras and pretty into the ultra scene. Um, so she did the 100 miler in Leadville, which is something that, you know, yesterday when I finished my 50K, I was like, how do people run 100 miles? I just in mm-hmm. one go, right? And so I was talking to her this morning and I was like, how did you do that? And, you know, do you want to do it again? And, um, you know, what could maybe me and her do um, next year, you know, maybe when I see them or go to Europe and do something. So I think because of experience and her running wisdom and, mm. and knowledge, I would choose my sister, Bo. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's just on that. When you say, like, how could you run 100 miles in one go? Um, obviously for you to set up this run, like it's such a crazy ambitious distance, but you obviously had to have some, or like quite a lot of self-belief. Do you find that you're surprising yourself though, still with just sort of ticking off every day? Like, is there an element of like, oh wow, I'm actually, I'm actually doing it. Or were you just so sort of focused on the process, the training that you just really knew you were up for every part of it? I, I just knew that if I was going to start there, I think actually starting was the scariest bit, right? Like I remember being nervous to drive up to Byron because like when you're driving, you're like, well, I'm doing this, right? Yeah. Like I'm literally running this way down. <laughs> and so I remember being the most nervous for that. But then when we were driving up, I, I was driving up um, with my friend's husband and we were talking and it only came up a few times, right? I was like, oh my God, Ed, I'm actually running this. And once you start, you're just on the journey, right? You don't think about, can you do this? I mean, this is something that I wasn't, a part of my language is I'm not going to half-ass it, right? So I'm going to, you know, and if the only thing that's going to prevent me from finishing is an injury or if I broke something, for example, right? Um, like I've said, I've been so lucky to not trip or to not have a running with a car or, you know, the bus hasn't broken down. Mm. Um, like it's just been such a smooth journey, really. And that. Um, I feel so fortunate for all of that. Um, but there was a, you know, nuts to say, there's been a lot of hard work that's gone into prepping and planning and getting the right team together and organizing the crew and, you know, just making sure that this can be the most enjoyable journey. Um, where really quitting wouldn't be an option. Like I've put so much effort into doing this for the last year of my life. It's all my friends have heard or talked about. I feel so bad for them. Like anyone's like, oh, you're doing that run? <laughs> we don't need I was like, we don't need to talk about the run today. <laughs> we don't talk about the run this weekend. Um so you know I've told my crew like I owe them. I don't know what I'm we something. I you know when we get home don't worry about them like something something big. So yeah, you can give them a few lifts, pick them up if they need a lift thing as they've driven you around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. I think it's just amazing that I think we can all sort of take away a lot from you and your story. And you're, I guess you're kind of just showing that you're a normal everyday person. You hadn't done an ultra before this and you've just managed to run such a huge part of the coastline, 900 Ks. Like it's just amazing. And I think you just sort of take it into stride and take every day as it comes. But I think you make it seem like it's really just cruisy and easy and um that anyone could do it which is I guess nice for people to know that yeah maybe they can do more than they expect or or think that they can achieve so yeah thanks for I guess inspiring everyone it's amazing that's really nice of you guys I appreciate it yeah like you know first ultra um you know if you just 
have a plan, train for that. Really, there's no, you know, once again, talking to Shafo yesterday, like, there's no excuse for me not to finish this unless something really, you know, drastic comes up or for me to not train. Um, and it's really just more about, you know, like I said, if I were to go back, just making sure I'm enjoying every aspect of the journey and taking the highs and the lows and I'll just have such good memories from this entire experience. And it's not mm-hmm. often just remembering, you know, it's not often like it's kind of time to do something like this. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'll be back in Sydney in a week, um, landing in Bondi uh, at the surf club. So that's <laughs> kind of crazy to think about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the logistics of that, you know, still sorting. And it'll be really exciting to start to see people along the way. You know, Sophia and I are going to be meeting some of your crew in Newcastle and the Central Coast. And of course, as we get down to like uh, the Northern Beaches, seeing some other folks and then running into Bondi, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. It'll be really fun. Yeah, that's so exciting. I can't believe how close you are. And just on that as well, this will be going out on Wednesday the 1st, so you'll still have a couple of days left. So if anyone is in any of those areas, so you'll be sort of moving through Central Coast and into Sydney, if anyone wants to tag along, probably the best way to do it is follow you at Byron to Bondo on Instagram and maybe send you a message or um, see where you're at. Yeah, so I've had a few folks reach out that just live along the Central Coast just saying, hey, you know, we're going to be here and um, today and tomorrow, kind of some, some quiet days that I have running wise. So I'm going to be setting some solid training or excuse me, route plans for those final days. Um, and probably posting those somewhere, um, on Instagram, just because I have had a few po- people want to join. Um, but yeah, shoot me a message. If you're a runner, any kilometers are welcome. Even have some push bike folks coming, um, mm. you know, to, to ride on the road. Um, yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah. Awesome. And to donate, you um, have a fundraiser page as well for Surf Life Saving Australia, plus a Pledge for the Planet profile also. So that's all on your Instagram, isn't it, Ellie? It is, yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, so we've got a really exciting, you know, my goal is to raise 5000 for Surf Life Saving. Um, I, I think we're on 8000 which is really, oh, wow. you know, shocking. Like, I, I am just so happy about that. Everyone's been so generous. Um, and then a lot of folks, right, have um, been talking about, what they've been doing, you know, I've got a few friends who went meat free for the month, or I really hope folks have, you know, not been using the single use um, cups um, and just bringing that awareness mm. from Pledge for the, through Pledge for the Planet. Yeah, so important. Um, yeah, awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. We so appreciate you. Obviously, you've got a very busy schedule and lots of planning yeah. to do and recovery and all those sort of things. So well, thank you so much today, for giving yeah, up some time. Nah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, today's quiet, right? We, I only have to get 15Ks in today, so it feels like a normal day, right? I went to breakfast with a friend. <laughs> um, we did a bus re- bus revamp. Um, we'll get some kilometers in maybe without the rain. I'm just looking out the window right now. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, I'm yeah, Sophie, I'll be seeing you um, yeah. in a few days. Awesome. Lydia, I think I'll be seeing you in a week. So oh, it's always yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward. <laughs> should be a good... Um, should be a good... Uh, welcome party from the surf club um yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to you know what i'm most looking forward to <laughs> tell us tell us waking up, <laughs> it's, this is so stupid is waking up on monday morning and actually having like you know like my bed in a bathroom like in my house oh. because <laughs> we're in a van right so any single time you need to like brush your teeth wash your face go to the bathroom we go outside to the campground uh, and it's been pouring rain, right? So, <laughs> so there's just no point in the shower, right? Because you check the bathroom and you come back and you'd be like, <laughs> gross again. So I'm most, 
most looking forward to, of course, seeing all my friends celebrating, but then waking up on Monday morning and just um, having some comforts of home. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. Gosh. It's just an incredible journey. We're so grateful to have been a part of it, just even a little tiny bit. And I think... Yeah, that's so great. Yeah, well, I, I definitely feel inspired. And I think Sophie feel the same. Like, it's just, it's so incredible to see what you're doing. And for such a good cause as well. It's amazing. Thanks, guys. Well, I think what you guys are doing are great. Like I said, I've met such good people through this that are doing really cool things. And I think what you guys are doing is great for the writing community. And- all right thank you so much and yeah we'll chat soon see you in a few days i'll see you guys soon yeah